Well, aren't you uh, thankful today for Jesus? You can do better than that. Aren't you thankful for Jesus today? The greatest gift ever given. The greatest gift that you can give anyone is to tell them about Jesus. Do you believe that? Well, we are going to start a new series uh, today, so I want to encourage you. Uh, get your bulletin out this morning, and if you didn't bring a pen, uh, there may be a bit pen right there in the pew in front of you. I'd encourage you to take some notes, and I hope that you take notes and uh, that you walk through it again throughout the week and let God continue to speak to you uh, through His Word. And uh, how many of you are uh, offended by our stage this morning? You can raise your hand. I knew you would be out there. Who's offended? It's all right. You know, we live in an offended society. It's okay. We'll try to coddle you. Uh, how many of you just love the stage this morning? All right. So it seems like there is about a 50-50 split, and it seems like male and female pretty much. So uh, this was uh, set up for our uh, stage last night, and I want to say thank you to uh, Tyler Martin and uh, all his leadership team that put that together. If you were, uh, were part of Tyler's leadership team and you helped put on the Beast Feast last night, would you stand also with Tyler? And I see Tyler there in the stadium. Would you stand this morning? Uh, everybody that was in that, just go ahead and stand. Don't be ashamed, all right? Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you guys and their help. So we had a great event last night, and uh, five men gave their life to Christ last night. And uh, so, amen, right? So... So hopefully if the stage offends you, you'll get over it by hearing that five men got saved, all right? And uh, it won't be up next week either, all right? So that'll help you, all right? And uh, so we're glad you chose to worship with us today. We're going to start a new series called 2020 Vision. And so we are going to kind of uh, take the next few weeks and just look at uh, what God would have for us as Hallmark to be. What does God want Hallmark to do? What does God want Hallmark to be? How are we going to move forward? All right, so there's a couple ways you can look at this 2020 vision. Obviously, part of it uh, comes into mind of your vision or your focus. Also to think, you know, it's hard to believe, but it won't be very long until we reach the year 2020. Can you imagine that? It's like going to be here before you know it. How many of you thought you would never, ever see 2020, all right? How many of you still don't think you'll see 2020, all right? So, um, I've just got a, got a question. Is this, are the side numbers or whatever they are, are those blurry to you guys as well? Okay, I was just checking my eyes because I didn't, I didn't really know for sure. Uh, how many of you have to wear glasses or contacts? Wow. Raise your hand. That's a lot of us. A lot of you, not me. Uh, how many of you don't wear contacts or glasses and you praise the Lord every day for that? All right. So I, I went to... Uh, get my eyes checked. Uh, this has probably been at least two years ago. Um, I don't ever go to the doctor. Anybody? How many of you don't even have a primary caregiver? Okay, yeah, I don't either. And so I would go <clears throat> in Kansas. Uh, they had uh, a new law and a new requirement that if you had a CDL license that you had to uh, <clears throat> be, you know, have a health checkup every two years and you had to carry with you certification card. Um, it's, it's that way in Texas as well now, 
but in Texas, if you drive for a private, you're not driving for money, then you can opt out of that, which I chose to do because I don't like to go to the doctor. But uh, so for every two years in Kansas, I had to go to the doctor and get a physical. And about two years ago, I went, and for the first time in my life, there was a blurry line. And I hated my life for a little while. And I got home and told Joy, and she was kind of excited. You know, I, I don't know why, but uh, so I was kind of worried when I saw the, the blurriness right there. And, and come to find out, um, I still had 2015 vision. So after she mocked me, I got to throw that in her face. It was so awesome. That's not what we're going to talk about today, though. Why are we here as a church? What's the purpose of being here? What's the vision? What's the focus? Because the truth is, if we don't know what our focus is, everyone has their own focus and their own vision, right? And so we want to spend the next few weeks talking about where, where is God leading us as a church? What's the direction for our church? Where, where would God have us put our emphasis, our focus, our vision? So uh, it's, it's in your bulletin there, the statement there that's going to kind of guide and direct us uh, into the new 2020, right? And beyond. How many of you have been a member of Hallmark for more than 20 years? Would you raise your hand? Keep your hand up. Everybody look around, all right? There's a lot of you in here that have been members since longer than 20 years. How about more than 30 years? Okay, so we're, gonna, we're, we're t- telling your age as well as how long you've been here, right? Uh, how about you've been a member longer than 40 years? Keep your hand up, all right? So we've got several over in the stadium. Uh, Angie, were you, you must have been born here, I guess. Uh, more than 50 years, anybody more than 50 years at Hallmark? Mike back there? Well, we got several. More than 55 years? Bessie over here and Harold is over there. Wow. Could we give them a hand this morning? That's awesome. That is great. So how, how can we as a church in 50 years from now... 20 years from now, someone else get up here and say, how long have you been a member for 20 years or 50 years or 70 years? The statement here on your bullet that Hallmarks exists to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. Hallmark exists to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20. Again, this is on uh, on your bulletin this morning. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And we all know this. If you've been in church long, you understand that this has been determined to be called the Great Commission. All right? And from my understanding, as long as Hallmark has been in existence, Hallmark has always had a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And the Great Commandment being, God said, Jesus told us, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Again, termed as the Great Commandment. And so we as a church, for as long as this church has been in existence, to my understanding, has always had this goal, that if we had a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, God will make us a great church. Do you still believe that? That is the focus. We exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. I love this definition. Again, it's on your bulletin. It'll probably be on the screen as well this morning uh, by Dr. Tony Evans. 
Uh, again, he's defining discipleship. Discipleship, the process of the local church, which seeks to bring Christians from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity so that they may be able to replicate the process with someone else. And I think the key there is the, is the, the last part there, is so that they may be able to replicate the process with someone else. You see, my guess, my assumption here this morning is that someone brought the gospel to you. Do you remember the person that brought you the gospel? Yes or no? I, I remember, of course, my parents, I grew up in church, my parents, uh, I, I was in church since I was, you know, born actually, and I've always known or heard of the gospel. But I remember when I was 17 years old, a man named Steve Switzer, and Steve, for whatever reason, clicked with me, I need to receive the gospel for myself. It's not my parents' faith. It's not based on my church attendance. It's not based on the fact that my dad is a preacher. I can't get to heaven based on those merits. I can't get to heaven based on any other thing than I have to place my faith in the gospel. And, and to this day, I'll always be grateful, number one, for my parents who taught me the gospel, and number two, Steve, who share the gospel with me. Do you guys have somebody in your life like that that you remember? Put your hand up if that's you. Put your, put your hand up, because here's, here's the reality. Someone gave the gospel to you. Whether that was from the, the stage here, and you were in the audience, whether that was at a youth camp, whether that was one-on-one -on -one with an individual, whether that was listening on the radio, maybe it was on TV, someone brought the gospel to you. So here's a really deep theological question. If you had never heard the gospel, could you have placed your faith in the gospel? Yes or no? No. So are you thankful that someone spoke the gospel into your life? Yes or no? Yes. Did the gospel, was it ever intended to stop with you? So we want to make disciples who make disciples. We want to replicate the process, which leads us to the three points here on your, your bulletin this morning. Three things here we want to focus on. So how can we make disciples who make disciples? Number one is reach. We want to share the gospel with all people. Are you, are you thankful that this church has a missions-minded focus uh, this year, we're on pace to send out uh, right at $830,000 out of our missions budgets. Are you thankful for that? It's amazing. It's amazing what God is doing in this place and all over the world. Uh, I shared this in, in our Discover Hallmark class, and I really didn't intend to share it there, and I didn't intend to share it here, but I'm going to anyways, okay? Uh, this week, and, and this is just... What I want to share about how we as a church get to be involved with what God is doing all over the world. I read on Facebook this week, uh, George Demacus, and some of you know who George is, but I got to spend some time with George. In, uh, in He's a missionary in Athens, Greece. Uh, George was actually born in Sparta, so it's pretty cool to know George. But anyways, he is a missionary in Athens, and they do most of their work with refugees. Um, there in Athens, and uh, he posted, I, I didn't get to talk to him since I read this on Facebook, so I don't have all the details, 
but an amazing story that his wife somehow connected with a lady. I believe the lady had come over as a refugee, uh, and then she was in Athens for a period of time. She had lost her daughter on the way over, thought her daughter had died in the Aegean Sea as they traveled. She went on to Germany. This recently, Louisa found her daughter. And on FaceTime was able to reconnect her mom in Germany with this daughter who was in Athens. And just this week, the mom came back to Athens to meet with Louisa and her daughter that's been gone for three years. Isn't that pretty amazing? And, and, and the reality is, this may be a little bit selfish on my part, but I think, man, the missions dollars that I give above my tithe helped fund George to be there. I'm a part of that story. You're a part of that story. That's pretty awesome. So we want to reach, meaning we want to share the gospel with all people. But number two is we want to relate. We want to connect people to God through community. We're going to spend some time the next few weeks going a little more detail in, in these three areas. Number three is to replicate. Again, to develop disciples who make disciples. Develop disciples who make disciples. Now, get your Bibles out, and I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, whether that's your, your actual physical Bible, maybe you have your iPad or your phone, I get and look it up. It will be on the screen if you didn't bring anything to look at. Um, but I would encourage you, as we walk through this, if you have your Bible, or if you have a way to highlight that on whatever device you might be looking at, is that you would highlight what we're going to highlight. Right? So on the wall, on the screen here, it's going to have some verses and it's going to have them underlined. Okay, so I would encourage you as we walk through it that you would underline that as well. So we're going to read quite a few verses of Scripture, so stay with me. After we read the Scripture, I'm going to, we're going to go on a real brief history of Hallmark Baptist Church, and then we're going to pull a few truths out of the text we read, all right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Verse number three. All right? But if our gospel is veiled. All right? So if you looked at the screen, as some of you are looking down at your Bible, underline the word gospel here. But even if our gospel it is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Underline or highlight that word perishing. Verse 4, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse number 7. Again, a part I want you to underline here. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So underline that treasure in earthen vessels. Again, the treasure being the gospel, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And who's the earthen vessels? Right, that's you and me, right? We're just clay, pl clay pots, right? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. All right, now skip down to verse 16, all right? So we're still in chapter 4, verse 16. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far exceedingly, exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Verse number 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. All right, now let's continue reading, and we're going to be, uh, pick up in verse number 5 of chapter number 5, all right? So 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse number 5. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life? I'm thankful that um, as you read Scripture, you understand that salvation, um, as I already alluded to, I'm thankful I didn't have to earn salvation. Aren't you thankful you didn't have to earn salvation? Aren't you thankful that grace is a gift through faith? How many of you think you could be good enough to earn salvation? All right, good. You guys are smart enough not to raise your hand right now. I'm thankful that I didn't have to earn my salvation. I'm also thankful that I don't have to keep my salvation. Who keeps my salvation for me? The Holy Spirit sealed me to the day of redemption. Again, mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm thankful that I didn't have to earn salvation, and I'm thankful that I don't have to be good enough to keep my salvation. Do, do any of you think you could be good enough to keep your salvation? I'm going to answer that for you. No. Okay? And again, so it's alluding here to the gift of the Holy Spirit who seals us, who's our guarantee. Verse number 6. So we're always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Verse number 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. All right, so underline that word, therefore. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Why are, what's the therefore, therefore, right? It's because when we leave this life, if we are believers, where will we be? In the very presence of God. And it alludes to that as it continues in verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore, underline the next phrase here, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we were all known to God and also to trust, I also trust are well known in your conscience. Now skip down to verse 14. And I want you to underline the first phrase of verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. You see the motivation for why we should tell people about Jesus Christ? It's right there, the motivation. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. All right, so underline there, verse 18, ministry, or highlight it, ministry of reconciliation. So again, if you, when we first started, verse 4, or excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 4 says we've been given a ministry. 
What's the ministry? Here it is underlined for us. The ministry of reconciliation. It goes on to describe that verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, was committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we, we meaning believers, are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. Do you, you, you gather the weight of that sentence? We are ambassadors as if God were making his plea through us. You are God's spokesman. You are God's representative. You are, you have received the gospel. And is the gospel supposed to stop with you? I'll ask it again. Is the gospel supposed to stop with you? No. No. You're to speak the gospel. I love, uh, Dr. Evans says, as a discipleship, one one of his words, ways to define disciple is a visible, verbal follower of Jesus Christ. We, we sometimes fall short as we're visible followers of Jesus Christ, but Jesus wants us to be visible, verbal followers of Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Look at that again. For he made him. Who's the him in this verse? It's Jesus who was perfect to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Aren't you thankful? I'm thankful again. June the 6th, 1991, six days after I'd graduated from high school, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And at that moment, God clothed me in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you, do you have a moment like that? Do you have a moment when you can go back and remember as Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again, June 6th, my spiritual birth date. Do you have a spiritual birth date? And if you do, I'll ask you again, is the gospel supposed to stop with you? No. So let's take a, a, a quick review, a quick history of Hallmark Baptist Church. His Hallmark Baptist Church was started in 1947, right? So 70 years of existence. In 1947, it, it started. If you want to look at some of the details, go to the church website. It has on there our history. has some kind of some cool pictures as well. But it started on the corner of New York and Maddox Street, all right? It started in the Seventh League Civic Building, okay? Then in 1949, Roy McGinnis became the pastor, Okay, and the church relocated. Okay, re- relocated to right off the freeway there on Morning, Morningside Drive. All right? There's still a church building there. And there's a newer building right next to it that's been built since then. But you can see there's a huge tower right there. Right? So if you want to uh, identify where that is. So they relocated and they changed their name. All right? Then Dr. Uh, Alice Edmondson became the church uh, pastor in 1956. And he was a pastor from 1956 to 1976. All right, and they also relocated, okay? And many of you will still remember the address. I know I do, 7300 South Freeway. How many of you still remember that address, all right? 7300 South 
freeway. And so when Dr. Edmondson relocated them to 7300 South Freeway, guess what they also did when they relocated? They changed their name, all right? So it was Faith Baptist to Morningside Baptist to Hallmark Baptist, all right? Then uh, Raymond Dunn became the pastor in 1976. Um, they, that's at the time when they built the family center over there at 7300 South Freeway. Then Dr. Baird became the pastor in 1981. Brother Walls the pastor in 1986 until 1994. And then Brother Walls in 1990, this church. How many of you were a member of this church in 1990? Okay, raise your hand. Keep it up for a second. Look around. That's quite a few of you. Uh, in 1990, they made an important decision. Okay, in 1990, they made the decision that they were going, uh, they were going to have a vote, all right, a church vote. Okay, how many of you have ever been a part of a church vote that went bad? Okay, uh, <laughs> several years ago, there was uh, a YouTube video that uh, was like church board meeting gone bad or something like that. I don't remember. And, and I looked it up to watch it because someone had told me to look it up and watch it. Um, and the bad part was I knew the church, all right? And uh, now my friend is the pastor of that church. But anyways, it's been removed, so don't try to look it up right now. But they had a vote. And the vote in 1990 at Hallmark, when they were located at 7300 South Freeway, guess what the vote was about? The vote was whether they were going to purchase this piece of property, okay, in, in uh, 1990. And here's the reason I'm giving you the, the history and the story of all this. Because I woke up, I think it was Monday morning, early thinking about this. And it just all of a sudden hit me. Because I, I've known the history of Hallmark for a long time. Uh, in fact, if you go to the website, um, that, most of that information's been on there for at least 10 years. Because I remember typing it all, all right? Uh, Nathan's made it look a lot better since then. And probably fixed all my typos and that kind of stuff. But, but I just woke up this week thinking about this. Four different locations, three different names. And I'm not telling you that because we're about to relocate or change the name, okay? Okay? I'm not, I'm not setting you up here for this, okay? But I woke up thinking, and, and let me give you a little more backstory before I tell you what I woke up thinking. A couple weeks ago, I had a conversation with, uh, with someone here at the church. And we were talking about um, years ago. They were talking about a church vote at their church to relocate. And the church did, vote did not go so well. Someone had gathered a bunch of people together to vote the relocation down. And people showed up at the church that hadn't been in church in forever. You guys ever been a part of one of those meetings, right? And they showed up and they voted it down. We're not going to relocate. And the church ended up folding. I don't think it was long after that. So I had that conversation a couple weeks ago with someone that was there. I think it was two weeks ago, I had another conversation. This one was a little more intentional because I knew that this person was a member of that church when this happened. This person, though, was, uh, was I was going to say a lot younger, but that sounds rude, uh, especially the person, but it, they were much younger, all right? And I asked them about the event. This person is still a member of this church, and uh, they're 48 years old, right? So you can start narrowing it down. They're 48 years old. 
and I asked them about that event that night. I think they were about 13 years of age that night when everyone gathered for this church vote. This person, again, 48 years old, I haven't done the math, however many years later, still remembers what they were thinking when they walked out of the room that night, out of the church building. And this is what their statement was. What they remembered thinking to themselves as a 13-year-old walking out of a church like that. Tonight, that was not God's will that was done. That was, and they said the name, so-and-so's will. You guys have heard of stories like that, right? So after having these conversations, after reading through some of these passages of Scripture and, and thinking through what, what does God want Hallmark to be about? Where is, what direction is God leading us to be? I woke up, I think it was Monday morning, with this thought in my mind. This church has been through at four locations and three different names. And after all the knowledge I have of churches that had votes similar to this that didn't go well, I woke up and just, how is that possible? How is it possible that a church could, could continue to move forward and continue to progress and continue to do what God has called them to do? And, and this is what I, I settled in on, that as a church, we, are, we have been a body of believers who believe the gospel. We believe that the number one priority of the church is to glorify God by making disciples by, that make disciples. The gospel has to be priority. Can I get an amen? And that's what this church has been about. So I, again, I woke up Monday morning thinking through this. Tuesday night we have our board meeting. And so they got a, the, the uh, prequel uh, to this message this morning, all right? And, and I, asked them, I asked them this question, and I'm going to ask you the same question. And, and uh, in that setting, we had a little bit of conversation back and forth. In this setting, we will not. But I want you guys to, to wrestle through this as an individual and then also for us corporately as a church. To go through that many transitions, that many changes, name changes, all those things that they went through, and still God would bless, and still God would use this church to see people come to know Jesus Christ, and for that to be the focus, for that to be the vision, I asked the board Tuesday night, have we lost that vision? Have we lost that vision that the gospel is the most important thing? Because the, the reality is, for me personally, and you can think through this for yourself, but for me personally, I oftentimes lose that focus and I lose that vision. My assumption this morning is that you're just like me and that sometimes you also lose that focus and that vision. And as I asked that question, one of the guys raised their hand and he, he told this, uh, thinking back to 1990, he was there when they took the vote. He's a few years older than me, and he said, I can remember thinking the night we voted in 1990 and looking around the auditorium and seeing there's a lot of people that, okay, so this is his words, right? There are a lot of older people in the room that are going to vote yes or no. 
And the vote passed, and he went away thinking this. Many of those people just voted to sacrifice, to give extra. I mean, you fill all the blanks in, knowing they would never sit in this auditorium. Can, can you imagine that? Knowing that they would never sit in this auditorium. And, and he said, I was blown away that they were willing to sacrifice that. And, and one of the older guys in the room that night said, I was one of them. I didn't think I would live to see it. And I moved here in 1997, and that's how I remember the address, 7300 South Freeway. And we built the, the gym in 1998. I think it was 2003 we built the atrium and the chapel and the nursery. Is that correct, Dad? Yeah, all right. And then we completed this in 2008. And in all of those, when many of you, you raised your hand, I've been here 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years plus, What's the focus to make a sacrifice? What's the focus to say, you know what? I'm willing to change. I'm open-handed. The focus is so people will hear about Jesus. That has to be the focus of Hallmark Baptist Church. Do you agree, yes or no? If, if someone else is going to stand on this stage in 15, 20, 30 years, then we, we all may have to make some sacrifices for that to happen. I'm thankful for people before me that made some sacrifices. I, I was in a completely different setting than church this week, and I heard this statement, and I thought it was amazing how well, when God gives you things that just fit. And this is what the, the new um, superintendent of Crowley School District, uh, we were at a meeting this, this week, and he gave this is actually a quote from, uh, I had to look it up, I thought it was awesome, so, and I couldn't remember it all, from Reverend Peter Rabel. He said, we build on foundations we do not lay, or we did not lay. We warm ourselves by fires we did not light. We sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. We profit from persons we did not know. If you're sitting in this room this morning, those all apply to you as you sit in this auditorium. I'm thankful for the men and women who are willing to sacrifice so that we can enjoy this place. Because there were some huge sacrifices by a lot of people. Not only am I grateful and, and, and thankful for those men and women who made huge sacrifices, but I, I want to follow in their footsteps. I want to leave something for the next generation. These students here. You know, people often say that when they, when they think of the youth or our kids in children's ministry, I, I don't know how many times when I was a youth pastor I heard, uh, look, you know, this is the future of our church. Don't say amen yet because I'm, I'm going to defunct that, all right? They're, they're not the future of our church. They are our church. And, and am I willing, for the sake of the gospel, to be open-handed?
God, this is not my church. This is your church. And if Hallmark Baptist Church wasn't filled with men and women like that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, guess what? We wouldn't be sitting here today. And I'm thankful that they were focused and had a vision on the gospel. You have your bulletin there, a few things. I want to just close it out this morning. In fact, as I was mentioning with the youth there and the students, it made me think of uh, our children's ministry. And I'm thankful that this church is willing to invest in our young students. And I would encourage you, if you're in here this morning and, and maybe you just usually show up for church and you have kids, I would encourage you to show up for the Sunday school hour and bring your kids. Okay, we have an, some amazing Sunday school teachers and directors, and I, here's what's really cool. Mom and Dad, if you go into uh, a, Sunday school group, a Sunday school class or a connect group on Sunday morning, you're going to hear a Bible-based lesson, and guess what your kids are going to hear? The exact same Bible lesson. Okay, and we place such a high importance on our kids' ministry that uh, you know, Dave, how many of you saw him exit the, the room and you guys judged him as he walked out, right? After he got down leading. He actually went to go teach our kids ministry. So our staff, we rotate and we teach. Uh, last, last Sunday morning, they had one of the best Bible teachers they've ever had in kids ministry. And it wasn't me. I know you were thinking that. It was Pastor Haley. He went in there and taught our kids. That's how, that's how important our students are to us as a church. Now, three things that I want us to wrestle with. You individually, us collectively. Number one, you've been given a ministry. You've been given a ministry. We read that, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. We are the ambassadors of Christ. It's, it's the message that we've been given we're not to hold on to it. We're supposed to share it. We're supposed to reach out. We're supposed to tell people. And, and I wonder this morning, how's your ministry going? So personalize this. Not, not how is our ministry going. How is your ministry going? I read a statistic, and it wasn't even in a church growth book about two weeks ago, that said that if a church is outward focused, then they'll have about 5% of their, their Sunday morning worship attendance, about 5% will be guests. Okay, so on a, let's just say on an average Sunday morning, 600 people here, okay, 5% are supposed to be guests, so how many would that be? Some of you are really good with math, right? 60, no, 30. We're, we're not, we're below average. So the statistic says that if we are the average outreach-minded church who's not in focus but out-focused, that they're going to have 5% every Sunday morning that are going to be guests, and we're below average. I don't like to be below average, do you? Unless it's my weight, I'm okay with that. I don't want to be below average. 
another statistic. They say 80% of people come to church because someone invited them. 80% of people come to church because somebody invited them. Not because they drove by and saw our beautiful building. I'm thankful we have a beautiful building. But 80% of the people who are going to be guests in, in this auditorium are going to be guests because I invited them or you invited them. So just logically think through this with me this morning. If we're below average on guests every Sunday morning and 80% of guests come because we've invited them, what are we not doing really well? Not inviting people, are we? And here's what I know a lot of you are thinking. Well, I don't really know anyone that's lost. Because that's probably true in a lot of people's life. The longer you're a believer, the less likely you are to have friends who are not. That's a good thing and a bad thing, right? You've been given a ministry. Your ministry is to be ambassador of Jesus Christ. How well are you doing at your ministry? How well am I doing in my ministry? Number two, we've got to move on. Number two, hell is real. You see, when God created us in his image and he breathed life into mankind and he gave us a living soul. And that soul is eternal. You are an eternal being. You are going to spend eternity somewhere. I'm going to spend eternity somewhere. You're either going to spend eternity in heaven in the, in the very presence of God, your creator, or you're going to spend eternity in hell, paying for your sins. Do you, do you believe that? Amen. I'm going to ask that again. Do you believe that? Amen. Our beliefs determine our actions. Eighty percent of people come to church because someone invited them. We're below five percent. But we, we are stating that we believe everyone is an eternal being and everyone will spend an eternity somewhere. And you have the information and I have the information that's of most importance. Again, I'm going to ask you the question, was the gospel intended to stop with you? No. Number three, God's love for us should compel us to share the gospel. God's love for us should compel us to share the gospel. Are you thankful for Jesus Christ? Are you thankful for John 3.16? For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish.
but have what? Everlasting life. Go back in your mind's eye for a moment. Relive the moment you gave your life to Christ. I, I never get tired of saying June the 6th, 1991. Go back in your mind. Remember the moment that you gave your life to Christ. It's hard for me to do that and not be emotional. I'm guessing some of you are the same way. Have you ever wished that you would have never given your life to Christ? Anybody like that this morning? Anyone ever wished? I, I wish I was not going to spend eternity in heaven. Does your salvation the most important thing to you, yes or no? I'm going to read one more verse this morning. Verse number 18, chapter number 4. It says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. For me, my guess is for you, that our vision, our focus is too often on things that are temporary, not eternal. Can you think of somebody in your mind? I want, I want to get your pen out. If you don't have a pen, grab one there in the pew in front of you. If you already got your pen, you got it taking notes. Maybe you need to pull your phone out and just put in your notes. I want you to put someone's name, write it down, type it in your phone that you're going to begin praying for that you can share the gospel with them. I want everybody to close your eyes for a moment. You know, indirectly this morning, we've shared the gospel a lot. But in case maybe some of you missed it this morning, and, and maybe this is new to you this morning, let me briefly explain the gospel. Gospel word simply means good news. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that good news. The good news is really simple. The gospel is simple. 1 Corinthians 15 says that if you believe and place your faith in the gospel, you'll have salvation, which means eternity in heaven, forgiveness of sins, a restored relationship with your creator. So 1 Corinthians 15 says if you believe and place your faith in the gospel, you will have salvation. So it's really important to know what the gospel is or the good news is. And there in verse 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says that the gospel is this. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross for your sins. He was buried. And he came back to life. 
So if I believe that Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the penalty of my sins, that he was buried, that he came back to life, if I place my faith in Christ, in the gospel, then I have salvation. So I want to ask this morning very quickly, as our eyes are closed, would anyone say here this morning, John, I've never placed my faith in the gospel. I've never placed my faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he paid the penalty of my sin debt. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you real quickly, as our eyes are closed, I'm the only one looking around. If that's you this morning, you'd like me to pray for you. Just put your hand up real quick. John, that's me. I've never placed my faith in the gospel. Just put your hand up right now this morning. Just leave it up for a moment. I'm looking around. I, I want to spot you this morning. Anyone like that? For the rest of us in here this morning, how many of you would say this morning, John, God has really challenged me that maybe the gospel has stopped with me. Maybe I'm not sharing my faith. I'm not sharing my story. I'm not inviting people to church like I know God wants me to do. If that's you, would you put your hand up for a moment this morning? Just put it up. A lot of us, mine included. In a moment, we're going to stand. You can put your hands down, but in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of worship. It's just an opportunity for us as a church to worship together before we're dismissed. But it's also an opportunity this morning for those of you that raised your hand, maybe for those of you that didn't raise your hand, but probably should have, to come forward and spend some time in prayer. We're going to send people up here that are willing to pray with you. If you would like for them to pray with you in a moment when we stand, just come forward and you shake their hand and say, would you pray with me? If you'd like to come forward and just pray by yourself, so you can just come and kneel. You can kneel on one of the front, front pews. You can sit on one of the front pews if it's easier for you to do that. You can kneel here at the altar. But here's my challenge for you this morning. Whether you raise your hand or not, and God has challenged you this morning that the gospel has stopped with you, I'm going to challenge you to come forward this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray about it. Doesn't matter what anyone thinks. Come forward. Recommit, resurrender, whatever it is you need to do so that the gospel doesn't stop with you. So that Hallmark Baptist Church will continue to be about making disciples who make disciples. Would you stay with me as I pray? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, I'm thankful for the gospel and that, that Lord, you use people to bring it to me. I'm thankful this morning that you've entrusted the gospel with me and that I get to be your spokesperson. Forgive me, Lord, for so many times when I fell, I don't take the opportunity. God, I pray that, that we would be brokenhearted today as a church. For lost people. Lord, that that would again be our focus and our vision. To make disciples who make disciples. Bless this time as we worship, as we pray, as we seek you. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. As we worship.